You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. can neglect the Holy Spirit and grieve the Spirit. You can think in purely materialistic terms when you grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit exalts Jesus, he says in John 15, 26. When we fail to do the same, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When you're not exalting Jesus Christ, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. I grieve the Holy Spirit when filthy communication comes out of my mouth. I, I grieve the Holy Spirit when, when, when I do these things because Jesus is pure. He is holy. And I'm supposed to be holy as He is holy. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a Christian. And it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. So what makes the Holy Spirit grieved? Crude language, lying, covetousness, sin. And this should grieve you too. We are called to be like Christ and sin separates us from Him. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 17 as he continues his message, Preparing for Civil War. You are Remember when he spoke, it was like an oracle from God, but we read about that in another verse. So many know, many believe that he knew that David would be the victor here. And if David was the victor, he was going to be hung as a traitor. He was going to be hung as a traitor. So he went home and killed himself. So why was he against David? We talked about it. Why was Ahithophel, I keep saying his name different every time, have you noticed? Why was he different, or why was he so against David? Because he was Bathsheba's grandpop. He was Bathsheba's pop-pop, remember? So he had this thing going on in him. What was it called? It was called a root of bitterness. He allowed a root of bitterness to get into his heart, take hold of him, and it festered, and he was full of bitterness, and this led to his demise. Bitterness destroys a person from within. Bitterness destroys a person from within. Bitterness can destroy a Christian walk. Bitterness can destroy a Christian's walk with the Lord. Look at what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. You don't have to turn there, I will. In the writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, Beginning in verse 25, Paul writes these things. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has needed. Let no, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, ever, even as God in Christ forgave you. 
root of bitterness here Paul is speaking against. Now, this whole section in Ephesians, Paul is talking about the new man. He's talking the new man or the new woman that we are in Christ. He's talking about that. And he says back in chapter 1 in verses 13 and 14 that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is now your inheritance to be redeemed by God. It means that God is coming back to redeem you. You have a down payment of that through the Holy Spirit. He, you are the, the redemption of his purchased possession. And he says, don't grieve the Spirit. The new man will not grieve the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is both sealed for the sense of identification and protection. You might, well, how do we grieve the Spirit? Well, you can neglect the Holy Spirit and grieve the Spirit. You can think in purely materialistic terms when you grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit exalts Jesus, he says in John 15, 26. When we fail to do the same, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When you're not exalting Jesus Christ, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. I grieve the Holy Spirit when filthy communication comes out of my mouth. I, I grieve the Holy Spirit when, when, when I do these things because Jesus is pure. He is holy. And I'm supposed to be holy as he is holy. I grieve the Holy Spirit when I speak to someone in anger. When I sort of put myself on a pedestal and look down on others. This isn't the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the flesh. The Holy Spirit builds others up. The Holy Spirit edifies. In fact, that's what all the gifts are for. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in Romans, Ephesians, and 1 Corinthians are for the edification of the body. They're for the building up of the body. That's what the gifts are for. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you were full. Excuse me, you were sealed. He said, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, Clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. These things grieve the Holy Spirit. Bitterness of heart. Bitterness of heart, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. These are all malice. And somebody said that bitterness is a resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. Bitterness is the resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. <laughs> He did that to me? Well, yeah, I'll get you. And it starts to grow. And it grows into a root of bitterness. But Paul doesn't leave you hanging with the bitterness. He comes around and says, on the positive note, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Yep, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, not hard-hearted, not half-hearted, tender-hearted, with truth, in sincerity. Forgiving one another, by what measure? Even as God is for Christ has forgiven you. Whoa. Whoa. Remember all the lessons that taught, uh, Jesus taught on forgiveness. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times 70? No. No, excuse me, seven times? No, seven times 70. Unnumberable forgiveness. We're to forgive as we've been forgiven. Tenderhearted forgiving each other because Christ has forgiven you. When you stop and you realize the amount that you have been forgiven, when you really realize the amount that you have been forgiven, and you can only take stock of you. We're not going to have a sin roundup. Some of you are going, thank the Lord. No, we're not having a sin, and I'm the one of them, thank God. We're not going to have a sin roundup. But you know you. You know from whence you've come. You know. 
And think what the Lord has done for you and how he has blessed you and where he's brought you from and what he's taken you out of and, and the things of that. How can you not forgive somebody else? How can you not forgive somebody else? Our forgiveness to others is patterned after the forgiveness that Christ has for us. When we think of the amazing way God forgives us, it's shameful for us to withhold forgiveness from others. It's shameful. But yet, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. So I, con I confess it, and I'm forgiven, and then I get another chance. Guzik had these great, great scriptures that are uh, not scriptures, but great, these great things that, that I need to read to you. He said, God holds back his anger for a long time until he forgives. He bears with us for a long time, though we sorely provoke him. He is long-suffering, isn't he? God is so long-suffering. God reaches out to bad people to woo them to himself and attempts reconciliation with bad people. God always makes the first move in forgiveness, trying to reconcile even though the guilty party is uninterested in forgiveness. God forgives our sins knowing that we will sin again, often exactly the same way. But God forgives us, doesn't he? God's forgiveness is so complete and so glorious that he grants us adoption even though we're former offenders. And God's forgiveness bore all the penalty for the wrong for us that we did against him. He was innocent. Christ knew no sin when he went to the cross. He became sin. We sang it. He became sin who knew no sin for us. Why? So that we could become his righteousness. The righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. The righteousness that Paul says is by faith. Righteousness by faith. God keeps reaching out to man for reconciliation, even when man rejects him again and again and again. God requires no probationary period to receive his forgiveness. God's forgiveness offers complete restoration and honor. He loves, adopts, honors, and associates with those who once wronged him. God puts his trust in us and invites us to work with him as co-laborers when we forgive others, and he forgives us. Incredible. And this leads us into the final verses of this chapter. This leads us right into the final verses about this. Listen, let's read 24 through 29. Then David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. Now it happened when David had come to Manheim, Man, Mahanaim, that Shobi, the son of Nahash from Reba, of the people of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodebar, and Bazarilla the Gileadite from Rogalum <laughs> brought beads and basins, earthly vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey and curds, sheep and cheese for the herd, for David and the people who were in to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now you can read through that and say, isn't that nice? But you got to look a little deeper at these guys. You gotta look a little deeper at these guys. Shobi, 
or is it Shubi? No, it's Shobi. Machir and Basrila. They all had major reasons not to help David. Every one of them had major reasons not to help David. Bazarilla might have had the best reason because he was 80 years old. We're going to find about that, about that next week. He was 80 years old. But in 2 Samuel 10, David waged war against Shobi. He went to war against Shobi. And Machir was the one who cared for Meshemoth all these years. These guys could have easily said, David, help him? Not a chance. No way am I going to help this guy. No way am I going to do anything for this would-be king, this guy. He attacked me. He gave us a hard time. Look how he treated my master, Meshemoth. Look at all the things that he's done. These guys didn't have to do this. These men could have either said, we're not going to help you, but they did not. These men realized that it was time to move forward. It was time to move forward. These guys are great examples for me of the Apostle Paul, of what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Philippian church in chapter 3, some of my most favorite scriptures. I know I say that about them all. Verses 12 through 16 in Philippians 3. Paul begins, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I love those verses. Forgetting what's behind. Forgetting what's behind. That's what these guys did. They didn't have to help David. They didn't need to help him. He was, he, you know, they could have been enemies. They could have had that root of bitterness, but they put it behind him and they helped David anyhow. They came to his aid when he needed them the most. Forgetting that which is behind. Yes, we've all been hurt. If I took a show of hands, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but we can say you've been hurt by a church. Maybe some of you have been hurt by this church. We've all been hurt. We all have pains. We all have people that have come against us and done things to us that have hurt us, have hurt us badly. Personal friends, acquaintances, family members, they've all hurt us in some way or the other. To coin, to coin my assistant pastor, Russ Sturger, from Calvary Chapel Vineland, when we were going through a hard time, get over it. Move on. Press onward. You can stay back there and dwell in all of that mess for as long as you want. You can stay back there, dig yourself a hole. What's the old saying? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out back and eat worms. You can have your worms till your belly's full. You can go out and do all that kind of stuff. You can have a temper tantrum and pout and cry and do all that kind of stuff. But God is telling you, move on. Press on to the high call of Jesus Christ. Press on to what God has called you to do. Forgetting that which is behind me, I press on. Yeah, they hurt me. Boo-hoo. I'm moving on. 
I'm moving on. Why? Because vengeance isn't mine. It's the Lord's. If he wants to take care of him, he will. I'm moving on. I'm going to go on towards the call, the high calling of Jesus Christ. Because he called me. He died on a cross for me. And he, he, he saved me and gave me forgiveness of sins. Much more than I ever deserve. Because I deserve hell. I deserve death. And just as much as we need to move on from the hurt and the pain, we need to move on from the victory too, guys. Some of you are sitting around going, yeah, well, you know, back in all, sick. Yeah, the Lord was really great back then. Back then, the Lord really did a mighty work. Wow, that was about 25, 30 years ago, but wow, he really did a mighty work. Move on. That, what's the Lord doing right now in your life? Where's the victory today? What's happening today? Forgetting that which is behind. Forgetting that which is behind. I'm not minimizing hurt, please. I am not minimizing hurt. I have myself been hurt. I am not minimizing hurt or pain. What I'm saying is you can dwell on it. You can let it drag you down. You can let it pull you under. You can let it keep you in a place that will be sour and nasty for a long, long time. You can do that. That's your choice. But why? Most of us, it was the hurt and the pain that led us to abuse ourselves with alcohol, drugs, pornography, you name it promiscuous sex, whatever it was, it was that hurt and that pain that led us down that path. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting that, those things which are behind. Forgetting the victories. And we can sit and bask in our laurels. We can sit and bask in all that. Yeah, maybe for a while, but we need to move on. What does the Lord want to do today in your heart? What does the Lord want to do tonight in your heart? Why block him out? Well, I've had enough blessing, Lord. Don't bother me anymore. I've had, I've had my fill. I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? But we hang on to those hurts. We hang on to those victories like they're some badges of courage. We wear them around like a badge of courage. I was hurt, you know. I was hurt, you know. Okay. Sorry. Well, you didn't hurt me, but I'm still sorry. Move on. Realize what God has for you right now. Because guess what? What was that old song? Yesterday's gone. Yesterday is but a memory. But we hang on to that stuff. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit from doing a new work in you. A new and mighty work right now, today. We need to move on. And I get that from these guys. These three guys, they had all kinds of reasons to be mad at David. All kinds of reasons. They didn't, they didn't have to bother with it at all. But they chose to move on. And God used them mightily by punishing all, these, all this stuff for David to give the guys strength. And now, because they're ready to face an army. They're ready to have a battle. And in chapter 18, when we get to chapter 18, there's a major battle. A huge battle takes place. The civil war happens, and this huge battle takes place. But they need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for the battle that's getting ready for tomorrow. The battle that's going to face you tomorrow. The one that maybe you're going to go home to tonight. I don't know. The battle that's facing you right now. We need to be prepared. We need to know that God is with us. We need to hear my cry, O Lord, attend to my prayer. Help me. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I need to be sheltered. I need to be cared for. The enemies are surrounding me. They're coming on me. The loan companies are coming after me. 
I have a relationship problem. I have this problem. I have that. Whatever it may be. You know it better than I. We need to move forward. We need to press on. I love that verse. But one thing I do, Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. What was behind Paul? All his pharisaical stuff, all his pedigree, all his wonderful, wonderful teaching by Gamaliel, that was behind him. But now he saw Christ, and he was looking at the cross of Jesus Christ. We sing it, the cross before me, the world behind me. We sing it. We look at Christ who's before us, and we follow him, and we move forward. And, and he says, I press towards the goal. What's the goal, Paul? The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, now there's a prize. There is a prize that every single one of us should want. But if you're hanging back, if you're playing the woe is me party, if you're having the pity party, enough. I feel bad for you. Come out. Come out of the pity party. And be full. Be free. Come out and allow the Lord to just give you a noogie. What do they call that? I don't know what they call it, but the Lord wants to do that to you. He wants to go, well, you're a little buddy. He wants to do that. He wants to do that to you because he loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you wallowing around though like that. Come out. God wants to move mightily in your life. When David surrendered to God's will, all seemed to go accordingly to God's plan, even though David was still suffering the consequences for his sin. God didn't negate the consequences for what David did, but David knew it, and everything else was moving forward. David was now focused on God, and he was moving towards God. When David took matters into his own hand, bad things happened. But when he allowed God to take care of him, when he surrendered his life to God, wonderful things happened. Glorious things happened. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, truly surrender your life. Not just, yeah, I've surrendered. No, no, no. Truly surrendered your life. When you have a moment in Gethsemane, when you have a moment in Gethsemane, when you're sweating blood and tears, and when you cry out to the Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That's the moment you need to have. That's the moment you need to have and say, okay, Lord, not me anymore. It's not me. It's you, only you. That's the moment. And God starts to work. God does his best. He starts to work. We need that. We need that in our lives. I need it desperately every single day. You are assured.
The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of King David as he's finally able to ascend the throne. Though he seemed to have achieved God's calling on his life, David's journey wasn't free of problems. David was still human, and he made mistakes that affected him and those he loved. But during the rest of his life, no matter where it took him, David remained a man after God's own heart. When confronted with his sin, David consistently turned back to his heavenly father, confessing and asking for forgiveness. David knew he wasn't perfect and that he needed the mercy only God could provide. Today, we hope you too remember that God's mercy is worth seeking. He's provided for you the grace you need to live free from your sin through the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die on the cross in your place, taking the punishment your sins deserved. Would you like to know more about having your sins forgiven? Please visit our website then, assurehoperadio.com. Click on How to Be Saved to learn all about what Jesus has done for you and why you need His grace in your life. If you still have questions or would like us to pray with you, please don't hesitate to call us, 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We're so glad you tuned in today. You can hear more messages like this from Pastor Dave at our website as well. Just click on podcasts slash radio when you visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope.